from the, that common Jewish connection and we getting along with each other. And I got a girlfriend and things were going sweet. And then I went off already scheduled to, to Greece. And it wasn't nearly as fun. It wasn't nearly as pleasurable. All right. It was, it was like 5% of the joy that I had when I did things as part of a community. And that, that rings true for almost all my life. The most intense, pleasurable, meaningful, exciting, resonating experiences of my life are in person with people. Not over my show, not over the phone, not over Zoom. Okay, I just fast forwarded through two and a half minutes of Misha's commentary. Well, she's she's right. These same people have their kids being watched by strangers all day, every day, who have God knows what kind of political views. I mean, not necessarily the right political views. And so, yeah, I do think that it's, it's, it is a, almost a genetic determinism in practice that people would never admit if they were having a conversation about what actually shapes their children. I'm totally genetic deterministic about my kids. Like, obviously, I want to give them every opportunity, but I'm not like the, the tiger mum or like the Soviet Jewish thing, like at all, like as in, you know, you know I want them to, to do fine, but I'm, I'm such a genetic so Misha Saul has a really good Twitter account, definitely worth following, and he has some good podcasts too, and a great bloke. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure whatever I do, they'll kind of be who they'll be, but um, let's move on. So he's an Eastern European Jew, is in Australia, uh, married with three kids. And Diana Fleischmann does not have children, she's about 40 years of age. He's married to fellow evolutionary, psych, evolutionary psychologist Jeffrey Miller. Um, I want to talk about you know, the next thing that I've been kind of mulling over, which I think um, you know, fascinating in your view, um, are the big lies. So yeah. I, I kind of... Let me fast forward. So, uh, I mean, there's so many big lies, and especially right now. Uh, you know, I haven't been on Twitter now, and I think it's like been a couple of weeks. I, I saw that you tweeted about me, and I just... Uh, there's just nothing makes sense right now because it's election season, and so it's 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 so demoralizing to even engage uh, with stuff. But but I will try. So I think you know you're talking about sex difference realism and sex differences. So why does it have to be so demoralizing to engage? All right, maybe don't engage on Twitter, maybe don't engage on social media, but uh, one's world does not have to go crazy just because there's an election season. Right. There's got to be a way of disengaging from the crazy. Um, there was a paper that came out uh, a couple weeks ago that was a nature communications paper about perceptions of trustworthiness in faces. And I thought about writing a piece about it, but uh, um, my husband's ex-wife actually... Yeah, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm a fairly good judge of whether someone's trustworthy. And I feel like I can, you know, better than, way better than average, or way better than chance... Uh, detect someone's trustworthiness from, from their face. For example, people who lead decadent lives, you can usually see it on their face. They you know, may have a lot more f fat. Uh, people who are cruel, you can also see that usually in their face. Uh, people who are smart, 
right? You can see that in their face. And smart people tend to be more empathic because they certainly have more capability of empathy. And then it's their choice whether or not to, to use it. But generally speaking, they do, which is why when you're in a neighborhood with an above average IQ, you, know, you have a below average crime rate. When you're in a neighborhood with a below average IQ, you have an above average crime rate. I never thought of this angle. So I'm glad I listened to this podcast with evolutionary psychologist Diana Fleischman here. Sounds like at the time of this podcast, she'd pretty much soured on her career in academia and just concentrating on her blog and her books. Some people, right, those who are defending the conventional wisdom, those who are defending current arrangements, are furious, right? I'm not sure regular people are furious about SAT scores 
and that uh, not all groups perform equally well on them. And I think regular people are particularly up in arms about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you look at the... And given that regular people aren't that up in arms, why is there a fewer of SAT scores? It's a fewer among elites. And so much of society is dominated by elites. And regular opinion doesn't matter. So, for example, whether or not we support Taiwan if China tries to invade, well, regular people don't get a say there. That's already a decision that's been made by American elites. We will go to war to defend Taiwan. And so all sorts of spheres of life are simply divvied up between elites and, and regular people don't really get get a vote. They, they don't really count. So, just like you have to be about 300 pounds or so to play tackle or on the offensive or defensive lines in the NFL, so too you have to have an IQ of north of 120 to meaningfully play a role in political, cultural, academic life. are falling all over me eat me alive so yeah you'd think we'd want to know like genetic predispositions towards criminality or you know facial markers of someone who's more likely to be a child abuser or a pedophile or you know violent I mean wouldn't it be nice if if nature color-coded people for our benefit so you could just tell by looking at someone whether they are likely to be smart or dumb to be violent or the opposite of violence, peaceful, right? I mean, so much of nature is color-coded. Wouldn't it be amazing if that was also true with human beings? Uh, there was a, a paper done a few years ago about ADAR that people can actually tell whether or not... This is obvious to anybody who's, like, existed <laughs> on Earth for 10 minutes, is that you can tell if somebody's gay at better than chance levels by watching them talk. I can tell if somebody's gay sometimes just, like, literally watching them walk their dog. You know, like, you can tell if somebody is, is gay. I mean, lesbians are more difficult, um, depending... Of the characteristics they have, uh, but yeah, gay men are, are, are people are much better than chance at telling if people are gay. And the gaydar concept, again, incredibly controversial. Is it still? I wonder because obviously, yeah, there's been a massive shift in both kind of legal environment as well as just public the prenatal environment makes people homosexual or not. Uh, but yeah, the, the concept of gaydar. I don't know if you would ask people how offensive it is. It does seem to be consistent with the idea that people are born this way. So I could see how people might not be upset about that. Uh, but if you said, um, you know, I uh, and this, this is another thing is like. Devendra Singh was this guy that I was a, 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 I was a PhD student and I worked with him when I was in graduate school. He had this study where he had uh, faces of people who were um, sexual abusers, people who uh, sexually assaulted adult women versus people who had sexual contact with underage children in the, you know, the, in the variety of things. And people were much better chance at telling if somebody had had sex with children versus adult women. It's like a stash, isn't it? Yeah. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people who, uh, who, a lot of actual child molesters as opposed to actual pedophiles um, tend to be people who uh, just, um, they're just very low IQ and they're a bit confused about who are, you know, actual, normal 
Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so the, I've read that the average IQ among prisoners is something like 89. All right, so the average IQ in Australia, United States is about 98. So just knowing that someone is dumber, they're more likely to commit a crime, to molest a child, to commit violence. So yeah, good on Netflix for not caving to the backlash over cuties, and good on Netflix for not caving for the backlash on Dave Chappelle, and good on Netflix for not caving on a bunch of controversial material. And so I was listening to Alex Kashuda talking about, you know, how Netflix has taken over our brains with, you know, Netflix ideas. Well, it's just a... Pretty broad panoply of uh, programs to choose from on Netflix, and they have demonstrated a pretty strong commitment to freedom of expression. And for that, they should be applauded. Uh, weapons of mass destruction. Math. I don't recall um, Netflix ever, right, ever backing down on a matter of. Free expression. <laughs>